listening to this sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. Have you ever been initially cold toward an idea or something, only to find out that you loved it later? I think I've got a buddy who uh, his kids wanted him to have a dog. Oh, we want a dog. And he said, no, we can't have a dog. I don't want a dog. And then they got the dog, and now he loves the dog. The dog's his best friend. He's the one that, that loves the dog the most. I think a lot of times when we think about the resurrection, when we think about heaven, sometimes I think I'm like that too. It's scary, the thought of death and, and what comes after death, because it's really unknown. Nobody knows by experience what it's going to be like. And frankly, some of the Bible passages about it are pretty weird. But I think when we get there, We'll like it better than we could ever have guessed. Jesus taught about a resurrection, not just an afterlife. There was this group of people back in Jesus' day called the Sadducees that did not believe in a bodily resurrection. They didn't believe in the, the whole concept of it. And in this passage, we're going to read an argument, a debate that Jesus had with the Sadducees about resurrection. But... Heaven, the idea of heaven, gives us a lot of hope. But for my money, resurrection is where it's really at. I believe the Bible teaches that when we die, we are present with God in heaven. But that's not our final destination. Our final destination is the resurrection of the dead. And a new heaven, and new earth, and a new creation where we receive new bodies. To me, the idea of resurrection is a better hope than just an afterlife where I'm floating around on a cloud. So today, we're going to read about something, a little bit of what Jesus had to say about the resurrection in arguing with the, the Sadducees in Luke chapter 20, starting at verse 27, going through verse 40. Some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher. Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had all married her. And Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they're like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he's not God of the dead, but he's God of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. 
Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you've spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him another question. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Jesus clearly believes in this bodily resurrection where the Sadducees dope, and they're trying to trip him up by making the very idea of the resurrection of the dead seem kind of ridiculous. And they come up with this fanciful scenario of this late, all this lady's ex-husbands suddenly resurrect at the same time along with her, then who does she belong to? Whose wife is she? Is she married to seven different guys all at the same time? Is it just the first one that's stuck? Which one is stuck? Jesus. And Jesus is here rejecting the premise of this question altogether by saying, if you are worthy enough to be among the people in this resurrection of the dead, then there's no marriage at all. We don't marry, we're not given in marriage in the resurrection. And I really, I think what she's saying, what Jesus is saying rather, is that she doesn't belong to any of these guys, she belongs to herself. But this teaching has always kind of tripped me up a little bit because... I think some people read this verse and, and they interpret it in such a way that make it seem like uh, we're not going to recognize each other in the resurrection. Some people say when you get to heaven or when, when the resurrection happens, you won't even recognize each other, the people that you used to know when you were on earth. You wouldn't even recognize your wife or your husband when you saw them. I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. There's some people who make it seem like the, the resurrection life is going to be this entirely chaste, um, genderless experience. Like we're all going to be some kind of heavenly eunuchs up in heaven, uh, just walking around too holy to have anything to do with the body. I used to worry about that because that like, doesn't sound very good to me. Like <laughs> I would like to retain that part of who I am in the resurrection, but... I don't think that's true anymore either. Because if Jesus' resurrection from the dead is any indication, our, our resurrected bodies won't be diminished forms of our current bodies. They will be enhanced. And so I think Jesus is using marriage to illustrate this idea. It is not a diminished form of our current lives where we don't get to experience pleasure or love with another human being. He is talking about an enhanced future that we have where everything is perfect. So perfect, in fact, that on the new earth, institutions like marriage won't be necessary. Think about this for a second. There are institutions that we have here on earth that we think of as good institutions, but they exist because there are problems in the world that need fixed, that are caused by sin. We think of law enforcement as a good thing. We, we're glad law enforcement exists, but if there was no crime and no sin, there would not need to be any law enforcement. I think that Jesus is saying a similar thing about marriage. If there's no sin in the world, if there's no such thing as faithlessness, then the institution of marriage becomes unnecessary. 
It becomes obsolete, but that's a good thing. Because all of the problems that marriage solves won't be around anymore. Marriage is obsolete, but love is still abundant. You don't have to pledge yourself to another person because faithful, faithlessness is not a thing anymore. It doesn't mean that you can't love other people in heaven, that you can't be with other people in heaven, but, but you cannot be unfaithful because sin does not exist. And therefore, marriage becomes obsolete. There's no more death in heaven, which means that you don't have to like worry about who gets your stuff when you die. That's another problem that marriage solves is when you die, what, that, that our families are how we, how we pass down our things, our legacies. But if there's no more death, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Our obligation to other people in that way, it becomes obsolete, but we are still faithful all the time. Faithfulness is abundant. One of the things I think that, that Jesus was trying to say in this passage is that, you know, in, in the Old Testament times, wives were viewed as husbands' property. And what the Sadducees were saying is that these seven guys all have a claim to this woman as their property. And Jesus is saying, she's nobody's property. Marriage isn't, like, that, that's, that's not even a consideration in the, in the new world that God is creating. She is her own property. She belongs to Jesus. She doesn't belong to any of these dudes. That ownership is obsolete, but human dignity in the resurrection will be abundant. We're not obligated to the people that we love because obligation is no longer a thing. We get to serve each other out of joy because sin is gone. Death is obsolete in this new world that God is making, and joy will be abundant. This is what we have to look forward to. This is the thing that we get to celebrate on All Saints Sunday. That one day, there will be a day when our loved ones will be physically, bodily reunited with us without sin, without death, without sickness. And our experience on that day will be better than any experience we could have now. And we can have a hard time imagining how good it's going to be. It's not because we're going to be so boring that we won't have any fun. It's because we're going to be so free. We're going to have all the fun. Because everything that bums us out, everything that brings us down, every sin that entangles us, won't be any more. So our relationships will be perfect. And we can love without any of the guardrails that we have to have in our current life. Jesus says, Moses is the one that proved the resurrection because God isn't the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we have such good news in Jesus who conquered death. 
Because when we die, we get to be with Jesus in heaven. And we all get to look forward to a day when he will resurrect the dead and all will be made right. So for those who were mourning today, it means that we might be separated for a time. And it's going to be a, a long time by our reckoning. But it's a short time by God's reckoning. And we're all awaiting the same thing. Those that we've lost and those that are still around are all awaiting a day when we will be resurrected. So today, on All Saints Sunday, we do not mourn like those who have no hope. We have so much hope. We have hope that Jesus went to the cross to conquer death. The last enemy, the Bible says, is death, and Jesus conquered it. The saints that have gone before us are waiting along with us for God to make all things new, to make everything right, and to gift us with a future that has unlimited hope in the resurrection. Lives of abundance and freedom and love without end. So today, we're going to honor those church members who we've lost in the previous year. by lighting a candle in their honor. Um, Lisa, would you mind lighting the candles for me? <coughs> so this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to light one of these tall candles for each of our church members that have passed in the previous year. But I know that there are people who we love that weren't church members that have passed. And so uh, I have got some smaller tea candles here. And if there is someone that you would like to honor that has passed away in the previous year, I want to invite you to come forward after we light these three main candles. And I would like you to... Um, to say their name aloud and light a candle in their honor as well. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, you have received those that we love in your presence, and they are rejoicing right now because they're with you. But Father, we're rejoicing right now because we're also with you. And we're looking forward to a day when Everything will be new when everything will be perfect, where sin won't entangle us and frustrate us anymore, and we can live lives that are free. So, Father, bless us today. Give us more and more of you. Help us to look forward to the day when we will be reunited with those that we love. In your name I pray. Amen. So today, we are going to light a candle for Pat Bowler. Bill Strickland.
Deborah Stafford. If you've got someone that you would like to honor, please come forward and light a candle for them as well. Pray one more time. Jesus, we honor those whose names we've called out today. Thank you for giving them to us on this earth for such a short time. And God, as we continue on in their absence here, we know that they are present with you. And we know that we are full of hope because of the life that you've promised us together. So let us go from this place with renewed hope, with renewed joy, and renewed sense that you are the reason that their absence can be okay. Because you will make all things new. Thank you for this hope, God. In your name I pray. Amen.